Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. I don't know about y'all, but I just felt like we should be doing the electric slide at a backyard barbecue uh, with that music. Uh, man, it's so good to be gathered with the people of God, even if we have to do so virtually. I really welcome every, each and every opportunity that we get to worship Jesus uh, together. I, I know how it is, man. Some people get excited about uh, concerts and sports events, and people get excited about basketball, and some people are so excited about verses. And, uh, but man, I get excited when the body gets to get in the Word of God and be able to unpack all that it is that God has to say to us. And that is my responsibility today to get into the word of God. So two things. Number one, share this link. Let somebody that we are, let somebody know that we're live and we are about to get into the word of God and we will have another time of worship and the time of being able to take communion together virtually. Uh, but number two, grab your Bibles, your devices, whatever it is that has the word of God uh, available to you. Grab it and go to the first book of the New Testament. Go to the book of Matthew. Once you're in the book of Matthew, go to chapter four. Uh, as you turn there, man, I told you guys that we have a huge announcement this week. Uh, I've actually been holding this last week. I almost spit it out and told y'all, but I didn't. I was disciplined and I said that I was going to share it today. And so uh, I'm going to ask the tech team to go ahead and queue up that video and let's, uh, let's let the video do the announcement. All right, come on, queue it up. Hey, what's up, Epiphany? So in 2018, I came to you and I asked you to participate in a capital campaign to raise funds for a larger facility. At the time, we had no building in mind, but we were simply raising funds off of need. We were in three services, cramming into three services, with our children's ministry needing more room, and we needed a larger facility for outreach. You overwhelmingly responded to the call by exceeding our expectations and giving in a way that blew our minds which allowed us to be able to go in to negotiate a little bit differently. Unfortunately, for the last three years, we've been met with a lot of hard no's and a lot of closed doors. But the time has finally come. Come here. I can finally say congratulations, Epiphany Church. We have done it. You have officially secured a new building. By God's grace, we were able to acquire 960 Atlantic Avenue, formerly known as Milk River Restaurant Club, now known as Epiphany Church, your new home. We are now just four blocks away from the Barclays Center, closer to downtown, which gives opportunity for the gospel to flourish, not just in Bed-Stuy, but beyond. Although we do plan to maintain a presence in Bed-Stuy, through this building, we are hoping to see lives transformed. We are hoping to see uh, the neighborhood engaged and we're hoping to see biblical community take place. But don't think that the work is over. Starting now, there are at least three ways that you can help. Number one, physically help us move. There's a ton of work ahead of us and I just believe that if all of us put our hands to the plow, the load will just be a little bit lighter. Number two, continue to financially support. This is a huge financial undertaking, but it is your generosity that got us to where we are. And finally, and most importantly, number three, pray because this is a big project and we need God to move on our behalf. Over the next few months, we will be coordinating renovations and laying out a plan to transition back into in-person service. 
So you will want to pay attention and you'll want to stay tuned. But again, Epiphany Church, congratulations. God has used you to make this happen. So congratulations, congratulations, congratulations. And I am so hyped, but I, I really, really do want to say congratulations to, to you, Epiphany Church. And I, I tried to express that in the video, and I want to express that now. Uh, God used you. You, you. We have to be very, very clear about this. Of course, God opened the doors. And, uh, but when it comes to resources, he provides through his people. And when I asked you guys in 2018 to give, not based on a building, but based on the fact that we were crammed into three services and you overwhelmingly gave. I'll be as transparent as possible. We asked you for $300,000 over the next two years. And in the first year and a half, you gave at least $450,000, which let us walk into different negotiations. And yeah, the doors were closed and it was the Lord. And my, my, I was grieved on a few of those spots because I really wanted them. And, you know, it's funny that when you look in retrospect, you always see how God worked things out. But while you're in it, it always feels a little heavy. But I'm just so, so excited. The next season and the next phase uh, of our church is going to be an exciting one. The harvest is still plentiful and the laborers are still few. So we need a lot of help as it relates to transitioning into this space. Uh, we will do so with wisdom. Uh, the CDC uh, giving out instructions and guidelines. We will continue to adhere to them as we watch what's going on with this pandemic. Uh, but we will start to gather very, very soon. Please pay attention to social media. Pay attention to your emails if you're on our emailing list. Uh, our website is going to be designed where it's going to give you a lot of information. And that is where you'll start to see the next steps in terms of how you can help in the transition. But also when will we start together back together again and we are hoping to do so within the next a uh, few months for now you can just be praying you can just continue to financially give toward the church we are being good stewards over your generosity and we will continue to do so uh, but congratulations man this is a this is a big deal this is a a, a huge step in the right direction uh, and it's more than just plastering walls but it is about people it's about reaching the neighborhood. I can't wait to see a single mother walk in there and be able to hear the gospel. I can't wait to see somebody that is far from the Lord become close to Jesus because they walked in. I can't wait to see biblical communities start to form and people start to meet other people and relationships begin to form. I can't see a marriage. I can't wait to see a marriage restored. Someone that came in and their mar marriage was in shambles, but God did something through epiphany church and that is what it is about that's what it's always been about and i'm excited about that all right matthew chapter four um is where we're gonna hang out i'm just gonna jump in because we're doing a lot here verse 18 all right it says while walking by the sea of galilee he meaning jesus saw two brothers simon who was called peter and andrew his brother casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen and he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately, 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 they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee and John, his brother, in a boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them and immediately they left their boat and their father and they followed him. I want to preach today from the topic entitled, what does it mean to follow Jesus. 
Can you guys say that in this room? What does it mean to follow Jesus? If you could do me a favor in the chat room, just type that in. What does it mean? I think the word of God is going to make sense for us. Let's look to the Lord before we, uh, before we dig in. Um, Father, we are so, so, so thankful for the open door that you've given us with being able to acquire this space. Of course, it is not just about a building. It's so much more than that. But we thank you for the redemptive story that we were able to take over a club, a place where people were once partying. Now we'll be able to party for you. And I'm grateful, Lord. And I pray, oh God, that you would bless the transition, that you would give us favor in the next season and the next steps of our journey. As we begin to regather, we've been distant. And many of us, because of that, as a, as a consequence, we've kind of taken a few steps backwards. Some of us, not all. It's been a few months where people have just gone off a little bit. And so, Father, I pray, oh God, that as we begin to think about regathering, that we would think about the health of, of people, that we would think about the health of our church and think about the renewal of our city. Be with us as we get into your word today. Holy Spirit, we need you. Guide us, teach us, and correct us today. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. What does it mean to follow Jesus? Uh, Josh, when I first became a believer, uh, there, there was just some things that clicked, that, 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 I under, that I understood, you know, easily. I'm 41 now. I gave my life to the Lord. I was in church all my life, but gave my life, like got serious about the Lord at the age of 28 when a friend shared the gospel with me. And it was at that moment that there was just some questions that I had that immediately got answered. And then there were some questions that I had before I met Jesus that I was so in love with him that the questions didn't even matter anymore. But some of the things that clicked for me was I knew that the work of salvation was completely left up to Jesus and what he did on the cross. I, I knew that I did not have to earn my salvation. I knew that he loved me despite the fact that I was still a hot mess. I knew that. I, I understood that. I grasped that reality. I also knew that Jesus was enough for me, that I would bank all my chips on him. I knew that nothing was on par with him. I knew that I wouldn't love anybody as much as I love those that are closest to me. I wouldn't love anybody uh, on the same level that I love Jesus Christ. I knew that there was something that he did that I could bank all my chips on. I don't have a backup plan. He, he's the plan. He's plan A, B, C, D, E, and all the way to Z. And so I, I knew that about my relationship with the Lord. I knew that I'd never be able to read the Bible the same, that when I read the word of God, that Jesus was the key that unlocked the word of God for me. Before Jesus, it was just a historical book and some good stories. And when I met Jesus, it all started to fit together and it all started to make sense. But there was a few things, if I'm honest, that I still was progressing in my understanding of the Christian faith. One of those things was how was I, a selfish person, supposed to selflessly interact with the body? How, how, does, that, how does that work? I, I, I didn't know what to do with the sin that I enjoyed. I know some of y'all, y'all lived a life miserable that was full of miserable sin, but there were a few of us that enjoyed it. 
And I didn't know how to, what do I do with the sin that I enjoyed? And now that I am giving my life to the Lord and he tells me go and sin no more. How, how do I, how do I do that? I, I knew that my, my salvation or at least my sanctification, not salvation, my sanctification was progressive that more and more each day I would begin to look like him, but I didn't know what that looked like. Finally, I did not know what it meant to follow Jesus. And when I say follow Jesus, if I can just be a little bit more clear, I mean follow Jesus closely. I was with the leaders yesterday. We had a leaders retreat and we went out and got some fresh air down in in Jersey and we spent all day outside and we spent all day just processing and talking. And one of the key themes or one of the things that we talked about was what does it mean to follow Jesus and what is the proximity in which we follow Jesus? Because I, I found out that it is not just enough to follow Jesus, but Jesus wants you right there. He, he wants you close. And I think the, pandus, the, the, pandus, the pandemic hasn't been conducive. I don't know how I mix all those words all together. It made sense in my mind. The pandemic has not been conducive to follow Jesus closely for many of us. Some of you thrived in your, your walk and some of you got serious about your faith and serious about reading the word and serious about prayer. But then there were a few of us that just kind of started to lag behind Jesus a little bit more and further and further. There, there's a verse tucked away in, in Mark chapter 14. I'm not preaching this verse, but there's a verse that says that when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and the Roman soldiers came and took him, the Bible says that Peter followed from a distance. And many of us, that, that, that really sums up our following over the last year and a half. Many of us have started to follow Jesus from a distance. And yesterday, as we got together as leaders, one of the things we did was we tried to close that gap. We tried to get closer back with Jesus because we understand the dangers in following Jesus at a distance. When you follow him at a distance, you begin to disassociate with him. And so we said, we got to get closer to Jesus. And, and I would implore you to get closer to Jesus. So when we answer this que- question, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Please know that I mean following Jesus and I mean following him closely. It is important for us to Understand that following Jesus is a consistent command in Scripture. In fact, I'll say if you read just through the book of Matthew, it is a consistent theme that is in Matthew. For example, here in the passage that we're in, he's telling four different people, two sets of brothers to follow me. If you go to Matthew chapter 8, the Bible says that there were some men asking about being his disciples and Jesus response to them was follow me. Later in Matthew chapter 9, he meets a guy named Matthew who happens to be the author of this book, and he's a tax collector, and he tells him, follow me. The very next chapter in Matthew chapter 10, the Bible says that Jesus uh, meets a rich young ruler, and he says to him, take up your cross and follow me. Following Jesus is a consistent theme throughout the book of Matthew, but my question today, and really what I want to get at is, is, is it a consistent theme of our life? Is, is our life followed, uh, marked by being a follower of Jesus? When someone sees you, what is the identity that they know about you? Will they see you and be like, man, they are a close follower of Jesus? Or will they tell us about your skill sets and your occupation and your title? I just want to be known as a follower of Jesus. Someone whose allegiance is completely tied to him. And so following Jesus is important. But I think before we can dig into what it means to follow Jesus, I have to put on the table what it does not mean. 
Following Jesus doesn't just mean coming to church. Listen, I'm glad you logged on today. Praise God. I know there's many other things that you could be doing today. There's many other churches that you could have logged on, but you decided to log on today. But I hate to burst your bubble. Just because you logged on today does not mean that you are a follower of Jesus. Jesus, And this is, this is a huge myth that needs to be debunked. That just because I go to church, just because I grew up in church, church, just because grandmama took me to church or mom took me to church or just because I have friends that are followers of Jesus, that means that I am a follower of Jesus, but nothing could be further from the truth. The reality is you can go to church and not know Jesus. Let me give you an example. I did it for years. I told you I was, gave my life to the Lord at the age of 28. What I did not tell you is before that I was extremely religious but was not a follower of Jesus. So you can go to church week in and week out. You can serve on a ministry. You can give in some capacity and not know who Jesus is. So I want to be very clear. Just because you show up to 960 Atlantic when we open the doors doesn't mean you're a follower of Jesus. So we have to we have to parse this text today and say, what does it mean to follow him and follow him closely? Won't you pick me back up in verse 18? It says, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. Look at verse 21. It says in verse 21, and going from there, he saw two brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. Look at the people uh, who Jesus uh, is about to ask or invite to follow him. You have Peter, you have Andrew, you have James, and you have John. It's important for us to understand as we think about this idea of following Jesus, let's look at the people that Jesus chooses to follow him, fishermen. Jesus chooses people that in this context are not the elite, are not the privileged. These are not the most educated people. In fact, there's a scripture tucked away in the book of Acts that says that Peter and James were uneducated fishermen. But Jesus looks down and says, that's my team. He looks around and says, that's my squad. And I'm always, and I've said this before, I'm always encouraged when I look at the people that Jesus pursues, because it's typically not the people that would be on anybody else's short list. Let me kind of help this room out. You got in not because you were so great. You got in because Jesus looked and said, I want them as a follower. I'm exhibit A of this. There are a bunch of other people that should have gotten the privilege of sitting at Jesus' feet. But God said, I want him. The same thing goes for you. There were so many other people. Jesus should have overlooked you. And if it was based on my behavior, he should have overlooked me. But he looked down. And I just don't know why this room is a little bit more excited when you think about the fact that you should not get the grace and the mercy that Jesus has lavished on you. But the fact that he chose you is nothing but grace. It is nothing but mercy. And so when I look at this text, I'm so excited when I say, God, you chose fishermen? You chose men that nobody else would have chosen? You know what else excites me? When I look at this quick theological check, he chose them. They didn't choose Jesus. 
They did not come up and say, Jesus, we want to be on your team. Jesus saw them fishing and said, yo, I don't know what y'all doing over there, but now I got to I got to transform your life. Come and follow me. Jesus chose them. They didn't choose him. And it's important for you to understand that the first step in following Jesus is understanding that Jesus always chooses us. We don't choose him. And yes, you might have gotten up in the middle of service and came down to the altar and gave your life to the Lord. But I promise you, before you got up, he already chose you because that is how this thing works. It's called eternal election. Jesus chooses us. And when I think about my selfishness and I think about my sin, there is no way I could have chosen God. But he looks like he looked at Andrew and Peter and he says, follow me. Let me put a little Bible here. John chapter 15, verse 16. You didn't choose me. Jesus almost talking like he got a little chip on his shoulder. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed that you should bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. God always, always, always chooses us. And that is a good place for a praise break because we don't have it in us to choose him. But he looks and he sees and I love this because he's he's choosing them not in church, but on their job. They're sitting around fishing and do what they do day in and day out and and providing for their family and going about their lives and doing their livelihood. It was in that moment Jesus interrupts them and says, come on, man, what are y'all doing? Come follow me. I got something greater. I got real purpose for you. But watch this. When he chooses them, they do not walk with Jesus with a bunch of stuff in their hands. If you look at the passage, the verse says in verse 19, it says, and Jesus said to them, or he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. If you look down at verse uh, number 22, after he calls James and he calls John, the Bible says immediately they left their boat and they went and followed Jesus. When they followed Jesus, they physically left stuff behind. You might be asking, well, what does it mean to follow Jesus? I can promise you can't follow him and hold on to your old life. You cannot follow Jesus and hold on to fishing nets. You cannot follow Jesus and hold on to a boat. The Bible says that they left everything in order to follow Jesus Matthew did the same thing. We don't we don't have Matthew's account here, but in your devotional time, read Matthew chapter nine, the writer of this book, the tax collector, the most hated man in the town. Jesus says, follow me. And he left his tax collector booth in order to follow Jesus. You we're reading this and we're like, oh, they're just leaving stuff. No, they're they're leaving their lives. They're they're leaving what makes them money. They're walking away from a lot of financial gain. And if you looked on the road behind Jesus, you would see fishing nets and boats and occupation. My question is, when we look on the road behind you that's following Jesus, do we see your title and do we see your plans and your appointments and all of the, the dreams that you had? And are you now able to submit that to Jesus and say, Jesus, do whatever you want with me? That's what it means to follow Jesus. You have to physically give up something. And I don't know what you've given up, but my question is, if you are going through life and you're following Jesus, holding on to the same stuff you did before you met Jesus, I wonder if we're really following closely because as I talk about following Jesus close, stuff holds us down. Physical stuff holds us down. Emotional stuff holds us down. And many of us refuse to let the old life go. And Jesus is like, but do you want me more than stuff? 
Do you want me more than the stuff that you were holding on to? I'll never forget when Ty and I uh, sensed the call to plant this church. By God's grace, we, we both were doing pretty well in our current situation, our current jobs. And I've shared this before. We just purchased our, our first home and I was doing well at Verizon Wireless. I was working on the corporate side. Ty was working uh, in the healthcare system, and she was serving, actually really serving a really hard neighbor sh- uh, neighborhood in the north section of Philly, and it was a rough area, and she was able to serve people that didn't have insurance, and she loved it. She was over a team of people in the registration. She was killing it at work, and when God called us, we realized we had to leave a lot behind. And it wasn't begrudging because the question is, do you really want to follow Jesus more than you want to hold on to stuff? And that is exactly what happened here. These boys here said, you know what? I know there's a lot of stuff that I'm holding on to and I could make some money here. But I know that that man that just called me is much more worthy of my allegiance and time. I got something else. When you follow Jesus, you have to be willing to let go of the old patterns of sin that we held on to. I know, man, in this time and age, we don't preach on sin no more. It's just, it's not our, you know, it doesn't make cool for quick sound bites. We we don't like preaching on sin. We don't like uh, thinking about the idea that I got to give up something and I got to now turn it over to Jesus. But whenever you follow Jesus, you cannot follow Jesus and hold on to the same sin. Yes, we believe in what's called sanctification. I I know that that might lose churches today. I mean, I'm telling you, people don't like to talk about this stuff. We want to preach about helping people and preaching about felt needs. But Jesus like, but you know, you got to preach about sin as well. You got to talk about sin as well. Remember the adulterous woman, she's brought to Jesus. And Jesus does two things. Number one, he shows her grace. He shows her grace for the life that she's in. And he does what no other of the men were willing to do, and that's restore this, this woman. But after he does that, he doesn't just send her away. He says, go and sin no more. Jesus was serious about following him and not following him, holding on to our old stuff. He doesn't condemn her, but he also doesn't tolerate her continuing in sin. And so when we think about following Jesus, yes, you have to physically leave stuff behind, but don't get it twisted. You have to leave an old pattern of a sinful life behind. Don't just notice the stuff that they left. In verse 22, it says, immediately they left their boat, watch this, and their father. Poor Zebedee. They all just fishing. It's a beautiful day outside. They chilling. And Jesus just walks up and says, not even Zebedee. He says, John, James, I need y'all to come follow me. They don't only leave their boat and their livelihood. They leave family behind. They leave people behind. And I'm, I'm so convinced that one of the reasons that we refuse to follow Jesus closely is because of the people that might be around us. The relationships that we get entangled in. The friendships that we get entangled in. And what happens is we begin to be followers of them and not followers of Jesus. And Jesus is like, I'm not having it. If you're following me, you're following me alone. So what, he, what, what does he do here? He says, look, leave, leave the boat. But don't, don't leave the boat. Leave who also is in the boat. And then I want you to follow me. And now their response is interesting to me. When it comes to following Jesus, Jesus is not going to wait for them to finish fishing and come tomorrow. 
Jesus is not like, I'm going to let you catch a few more fish and sell them and then come follow. No, Jesus is like, follow me. And the Bible says twice in verse 20 and verse 22. Do y'all got this word in your Bibles? Immediately. At, at that moment, that very second that Jesus called them, they started following. And I love this because they didn't ask Jesus to go ahead and they'll catch up. They didn't say, we'll follow you at some point. We know you're worthy, but we'll follow. No, at that moment, they leave everything behind and they show a sense of urgency. And I think the pandemic has really pulled away from our urgency, Chris. I do. I think we, some of us used to follow Jesus immediately. We used to be obedient immediately, but Father, forgive us for being slow. We, we, we want to obey you immediately. We want to submit to you immediately. We want to walk away from that sin immediately. We want to be serious about our faith immediately. We want to pray immediately. We want to read our word immediately. We want to look more like Jesus immediately. So Jesus says, follow me. And the Bible says that immediately they follow him. And I wonder how tough it was for them to leave stuff and people behind. But I want you this week to just just take inventory of your life. Get, Get your journal out. Get your phone out and just just start to write down some of the stuff that is hindering you from following Jesus again closely. Right. Write that stuff down. If it's people, write the names down. You ain't being shady. You, I'm not asking you to, to, to quit your job. I'm not asking you to cut people off. I'm just simply saying take inventory of the stuff that is stopping you from following Jesus because Jesus wants your allegiance and he wants it. Immediately. Somebody in this room just say immediately. immediately. Come on, say, say it like you're, you're serious about following Jesus. Somebody in this room just say immediately. immediately. If you'll type that in in the chat room, immediately. I want to follow Jesus in 2021. We're now in September and honestly, the first half of this year for many of us has been has been filled with us not being serious about our faith and us not seriously following Jesus but I wonder what the rest of the year could look like. For, for, for some of us, this has been the rhythm of the pandemic for us. Kind of guy, you know, I think the pandemic has changed people. I, I do. In, way, in many ways, it's changed me. It's changed how we interact with social events. It's, it's changed how we think about the body and changed how we think about community. If that's somebody's testimony, you just type that in. It's changed us. But I want to get us back to being on fire for Jesus. I want to get us back to this idea of following him and following him closely. Notice that Peter is being called right now. Peter is told to come. He comes immediately. And from the rest of Peter's life, you'll see most of Peter's life, I should say, you'll see Peter following Jesus closely. Peter is the one that's at the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter is the one that's walking on the water. Peter is the one that cuts off the ear of the of the soldier to defend Jesus. He is serious about uh, following Jesus. But I told you earlier, Matthew 14. Mark 14, the Bible says he begins to follow from a distance. And that has been many of us. Many of us have followed from a distance. And I refuse to wait until we start meeting together to encourage you and challenge you to be serious about your faith. I refuse to wait for us to start meeting together to tell you that Jesus wants your life to be patterned after following him. And the question is, why? Why, Pastor? Why the urgency? Why do you want us to be so serious about following Jesus? I hate to say this, 
But it's less about you following Jesus, and it's more about you following Jesus so that others can follow Jesus, and then others can follow Jesus, and then others can follow Jesus. You know how this thing works, right? That's how it works. You get set on fire for Jesus. You invite your friends into your life so that you can, they can see how on fire you are for Jesus, and then it's contagious. And they start catching fire. And then they go around and other people that are around them start catching and being serious followers of Jesus. I refuse to settle for just you being a follower. I refuse to settle for just me being a follower. Watch what Jesus says in verse 19. In verse 19, he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. In other words, Jesus is like, I'm not just asking you to follow me, but I'm asking you to follow me so that others will follow me. That's how it works. This thing works better when all of us are serious about our faith. And what this means is we have to have lives that are consistent with the gospel so that others can ask us, what is it about you and about your faith that makes you so serious? And then you can say, follow him. Because I follow this man named Jesus, and, and because I follow him, now my joy is completed because I've told you to follow him. That's how it works. And many of us haven't talk, talked about Jesus all year. Can we be honest in this room? I can't see everybody, but in this room, can, can we just be honest? How many of you would say you haven't been on point as you should be as it relates to inviting others to follow Jesus? Who, who, who would, who, that's most of the room. Y'all can't see him. Most of the room, I got my hands up. I got my toes up, too. Many of us have been inconsistent. We might have been good followers or average followers, but Jesus wants you to be a close follower of him while you invite others. Come see about this, man. Come, come, come give your life to Jesus. My joy is complete, not just when I'm following, but when I've told others about it. It's like going to a good restaurant. When you go to a good restaurant, your joy is not complete when you finish the meal. Your joy is complete when you finish the meal and you post it or you tell somebody else and hey, you, you need to go try that restaurant out. And then they eat there and they tell you how great it has been. And for some reason, that completes that joy. That makes that joy even more fulfilling and it's even greater on a, on a higher level as it relates to your faith. Your faith is not just for you. Your walk is not just for you. Your following him is not just for you, but it is so that your trifling cousin can know Jesus. It is so that the boss that is far from Jesus can know who Jesus is. It is so that the friends and the people that are on your block can know who Jesus is. And as we kick off this new season, we need to make that a goal and a mark of our church. But it also needs to be a mark of your individual life. Make it a mark. Make it, make it a priority. I can tell you now, I just don't want to pastor a church that's only serious about them becoming followers of Jesus. I can't wait until all of Brooklyn hear about Jesus. I, I want to see this thing go over the bridge and, and, and hit into Manhattan and go all around. And, and, and the reason is not, not so that people can be gathered to Epiphany Church. I know we got a new space. You can't all fit in it. It is so that people can follow Jesus, get connected to the local church that's near them so that they can grow in their faith. That's what I want this thing to be about. Fishers of men. Fishers of men. Fishers of men is what God is calling us to be. And as we 
land this plane on this idea of following Jesus, please understand, I really believe this, that revival can take place if all of us become serious followers like these four men. I really believe it. I believe that revival, revival can take place if we're all serious. But it really starts with you closing that gap. Unfortunately, you can play something soft, Josh. Unfortunately, we haven't been fishers of men. We've been keepers of the aquarium. Kind of just been looking. This is, Christianity isn't a spectating sport. It's not one of those, not one of those faiths, that you, faiths that you can just watch from afar. It is not one of those faiths that only the pastor and leaders and worship team should be on mission. All of us should be followers of Jesus. And that's what I'm hoping, man. Over the next few months, we need to prepare our hearts. As we talk about regathering, not regathering just to gather. Like, real talk, we can do that at the restaurant. We, we can meet in a park and just connect. But I want to connect to strengthen each other so that I can immediately follow Jesus and follow him closely. Who is it today that would say, I haven't been as serious about my faith, haven't been as serious about prayer and reading my word, haven't been serious about discipleship and evangelism. Ultimately, I haven't been serious about following Jesus. I've professed faith, but I haven't lived it. That's deep. I've professed faith, but I haven't lived it. And Jesus is calling you today to move from talking about it to living it. Father, I pray for everybody that's on the live today. Many of us have left things behind. Many of us have left people behind. But Father, would you connect us so deeply with you that if we are holding on to things, we would realize that they pale in comparison to who you are. Pray, oh God, for the one young man that's watching and he's on the fence about his faith. He's professed faith, but he doesn't know really how serious he should be about it. Put him on fire for you. Pray for the young lady that's watching right now. And she know I'm talking to her. She know that God is speaking to her heart because she's professed faith and she said, I'm a follower. But she's followed from afar. She's followed from a distance. And it's created disassociation. Father, I pray for the one that doesn't know you. There's somebody logged on right now that is going to be honest and say, I don't know you. Pray that they would give their life to you. Tech team, if you could pop that number up on the screen where people could text in and say, I want to give my life to Jesus. Because I really feel like revival starts today. I feel like it. I feel like today is the day that Jesus followers goes up. Who is it that knows that you're far, but you want to leave some things and leave some people behind? Father, I promise you, I promise you I would follow Jesus even if heaven wasn't promised to me. I, I promise it because he's good. Because he's good. He's gracious and merciful. So, Father, I thank you for this time. I pray that this would not be one of those sermons that just goes in our ear and out, but I pray it would be one that penetrates our heart. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.